excited. I'm excited. Um, I hope everyone's doing well. Um, we're going to be in uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 25. If you want to start turning there, we're going to look at verses 14 through 30. We're going to continue our study on parables. This parable today is called the parable of ten talents. Um, before we get there, uh, I want to, us to kind of recap where we've been and um, just check on everybody. I know that it is late July, so what that means in the life of a Texan is this is the part of the year where you just start getting a beating every time you step out of your home. Uh, so I applaud you for always being here. I know we have a lot of our members and, and our loved ones traveling uh, on some vacations they've much earned, so we're always going to pray for traveling grace. But I always want to thank you when you set aside time in your week to come uh, to the house of God so you can worship with your fellow believers and just see what God has to do and is going to do um, through just our obedience and faith. We're going to continue to dive in the teachings of Christ. Um, we always hope to learn from Christ so we can be like Christ. We're always going to... Um, dive into scripture and treat it uh, with the importance that we, we hold dear. We have always, since the beginning of Trinity Church, said that we put a high premium, we put a high respect and reverence in the Word of God, and those aren't just words for us. We have proven that time and time again with our studies, with, with our, 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 our teachings, and with our worship. And we're going to continue to do that because our goal is to build up knowledge of our faith, but not academic knowledge. Um, for the sake of academic knowledge, but an understanding of the glory of God to spread the glory of God. I remember at Washita, we were always taught um, to guard ourselves against uh, coffee shop theology, which means um, our generation, the generation before us, if you had to title them uh, with a problem, it would probably be biblical illiteracy. And, and what, what has been uh, probably of prevalence in the last 10 years is a run from Bible illiteracy and trying to learn and, and to cultivate as much knowledge about your scripture. There's a lot more resources in 2019 than there were even in 2009 and so on and so forth as far as study Bibles and websites and, and the Bible project and, and just beautiful things that God has ordained and used to grow in the knowledge of his scriptures. And it is easy to kind of view that knowledge as, as a refuge, and it, it is, and there's, there's nothing wrong with you knowing more about your faith. But you should never look about the knowledge of your faith to be an academic conquest, but more of, of something that spurs you on to speak the glory of God. If you learn things about the Bible and learn things about your faith, and it doesn't spur you on to tell someone about those things, then I would argue you actually haven't learned anything. You've just memorized things from a book. And I, we always here at Trinity Church want this to be a living word of God. We want it to pour over us. We want to dive into these passages and we want um, to pull the marrow out of them so we can apply them to our lives and walk in lockstep with Christ. Our goal is to always learn from Christ, to be like Christ. Last week we saw uh, Christ teach us about the Good Samaritan, how we should love others. Um, one of the main questions last week is, who is our neighbor? We have already answered that question uh, at Trinity Church with our marching orders, that we love God, love others, and make disciples. We've actually made it a lot easier. Instead of you worrying about who your neighbor is, because culturally sometimes that means a geographic, geographical relevance to where you live, your neighbor is just someone that's not you. Others is someone, when you say love others, it means love someone that's not yourself. And and the beautiful thing about the Good Samaritan or the story about the Good Samaritan is it's not necessarily telling you who your neighbor is, but it's spurning you on to be a good neighbor. 
to be the person that shows God's love because you were loved. We learned last week that sin robbed us and left us for dead and that Christ came and stopped and died for our sins. Thus, we should love others because we have been greatly loved. This week, we're going to go into the ten talents. We're going to talk about stewardship and what it means to understand that all things are gifts from God. Understanding our stewardship is is in great correlation to us understanding our faith, to us understanding the purpose we have inside God's will is to understand that all things are a gift from God. This is a pretty large passage, so I want you all to sit uh, today as I read it out loud. It's going to be behind us. Uh, There are Bibles all around. Grab one. If you don't have one, that's our gift to you. Uh, I'm going to read it, um, and then we're going to dive in as we usually do. All right, verse 14, chapter 25, verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. Verse 21, the master says, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been fruitful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And who who also had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been fruitful over a little. I will set over you much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who also received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter so no seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I did not sow. You, you knew that I gather where I did not scatter seed. There you ought to have, uh, have interest for my money with the bankers. And I am coming and I should have received what was owned with me interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more to be given, and he will have in abundance. But from one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Verse 30. And he cast the worthless servant into the darkness, into that place that there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. Let's pray before we dive into the word. God, thank you for what you have given us, and that is everything. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the worship that we have sung Thank you for the time we have just to dive into your holy word. God, I pray that for the next few minutes we're able to pour over your scripture, that you may bring the spirit, the spirit may come and the spirit may move. We may see your truths, apply your truths, that we may walk with you, so we may be like you. I pray in all things your name. Amen. All right, so there's a lot going on culturally in in this story, and there's a lot of application that is lock and step with 2019. That's the beautiful uh, thing about Scripture is anything, even things that were written thousands of years ago still hit to the core in the heart of the the modern-day believer. So what we first see is we see a master, a master over um, property, a master over people, calls in his servant, and he entrusts 
his property. So nothing that the servants are given is actually their own, but it's the servant giving them. And to those servants, he gives uh, five talents, two talents, and one. And it says that he gave each servant in accordance to their ability. And sometimes we don't like the idea of that. We like everything to be fair. We like everything to be on the same playing field. But that's just not true. Christ gives us different abilities in different areas. There are, there are just things that He has specially equipped us for. There's blessings and gifts that He has given to some that He hasn't given to others. He has given everyone the ability to proclaim truth, to proclaim His name, and to bring glory to God, but that may look for, like different things in different ways. So each servant got more in accordance to their ability. So there was a servant with the five and the two and the one. And it's really important for us to understand what talents are. So when I grew up, there were really cheesy cartoons and there was a, a maybe a, a, a blue felt board in the back. And for me growing up, honestly, in full disclosure, until I started studying for this, uh, this sermon, I was under the impression that like five talents was like five talents, like a coin is a talent. That's, that's the movies I watched and that's, that's the, the felt board that I learned under. Um, and so I was thinking, okay, he's giving them some coins. He's really strict about getting these coins back. I don't fully understand it, but that's why we dive in and we learn about God's Word. So a talent is actually a monetary reckoning. It's actually a, a, a lump sum of money. So in this day and age, one talent would have been 20 years of salary. So to put it in modern day understanding, one talent equals 600,000 U.S. dollars. So to one servant, the first servant, he gives $3 million dollars. To the next servant, he gives $1.2 million. And to the, one ser the, the third servant, he gives $600,000. So it's important to, for us to know that this master has given his servants great abundance. He's giving them more than they could ever hope to have had on their own doing. He's giving them a great amount of wealth and saying, I trust in you this amount of money. I can trust in you this amount of things. I want you to steward it well. I want you to be in charge of it. And when I get back, I want to return on my gift. I want to be able to say, hey, I've entrusted you with much. I, I've, I've shown you that I, I, I trust you with, with 20 years wages or plus, but I also am going to hold you accountable for what you do with that great gift. So the master returns, and what's really important for us to understand is he comes to settle his account. And that's a real day understanding of one day God will come and settle the accounts for us. He's giving us great blessings, but those aren't just blessings for us to hoard up and be really proud of. Those are blessings for us to do something with and to actually have a return. And he comes back and settles his accounts. And we see that the first two servants went and traded. So traded doesn't necessarily what we mean like this for that, but it's, it's a, if you looked into the meaning of that word at that time, they went and they, did, they formed some kind of investment. They invested the blessings, and that invested yielded uh, quite a bit more than you would see interest. They doubled their return because of, of the importance they understood of what they needed to do with their blessings, with their talents. Um, they were able to double their return. He says, well done, you good and faithful servant. 
I've entrusted you with little now, I'll entrust you with more. Come into the joy of your master. And understand this, that's the goal for every believer, every child of God, the sons and daughters of God, everyone that calls Christ king, is our goal is to stand before our maker. And make no mistake, this parable is directly correlated to us standing before uh, our heavenly God who will judge us one day. He sits on a throne, we will answer to what we have done, and the goal is for him to say, well done, you good and faithful servant. He gives them more because of how well they stewarded what they were given. Hear this though, there's no mention of them getting a cut of these profits. There's no mention of them being able to keep some of the money because they did so well. He's saying, I entrusted you with what was always mine. I'm going to take what's always mine back. You are here to serve me and bring glory to my name. There's, there's, no thing, there's nothing... Um, there's nothing that was ever mentioned about saying like, hey, uh, there's no like a commission-based giving, right? Like, if I do this, I'll get this. Like, maybe if, uh, I grew up also under the expression, like, maybe if I, if I doubled my master's return, maybe my mansion in heaven's a little bigger. There's, there's no real, real thing in the Bible for me to guarantee you a big or small house. I don't, I don't know um, exactly where we got that, um, but I can tell you that doesn't come up in this parable. And there's no mention of you doing anything other than being said, well done, you good and faithful service. And the beautiful thing about that, if you call Christ king, that's more than we could ever want. That is the reward. When we stand before our Savior, our King, our Sovereign God, the Creator of everything, the Sustainer of everything, when we stand before the one triune God, the idea that we would need or want anything other than Him saying, well done, you good and faithful servant, is a lie and a misunderstanding of our faith. That's the ultimate goal, to come before the throne of God and be said and, and to be called a faithful servant. But for the other, the third servant, he is scared. He doesn't do anything with his talents. He digs a hole, uh, and, and buries it just so he can't lose it. No one else profit, profits from this talent. He doesn't gain any money. The master doesn't gain any money. But he says, no, I, I do not want to lose because I know the master is a serious person. When he says, you, you gather seed, you don't scatter. Which means you are responsible for things that you don't directly have your hands in. I know that you're going to call upon me even though you weren't here watching me. Um, that's not a direct correlation to God. God sees all things. I'm not saying that. But he knew that he was terrified of losing this gift more than he, more than he was willing to, to bring other glory and, and, and other givings and, and, and profits for that gift. So he dug a hole. A lot of, and that's really similar to what we do with our faith. We say, I understand that Christ is my king. I'm going to do nothing with that information. I know that my, my salvation is secure, that my salvation is for once and for all, that once I'm saved, there's nothing I can do to lose that salvation. And then I'm just going to guard my faith, guard my story, guard my beliefs, um, because I, I'm scared of what the world would say if I didn't. I'm scared of what would happen if I tried uh, to bring glory to God. Um, and then he holds his face, and then the master says, you are cast out, you worthless servant, into the utter darkness. So he is saying... You are, are in a place where they where they're gnash of teeth, where they're wailing, where, where you're viewed slothful and wicked. You have done nothing with what I've given you. And there's a correlation there that says, if you do nothing with what is given to you, you don't understand what's given to you, so you are not a child of God. Right? And that's some hard things to hear. This parable is hard to teach. This, hard, this parable is hard, um, is hard uh, to stomach sometimes because there is realities that don't get preached a lot. We are all about saying Christ loves you because He does. But one of the things 
that in the American church, and I'm as guilty of this as anyone else is, we don't say, hey, there's a judgment day coming and what you do you will answer for. You will stand in account for what you've done and some of those things are pretty bad. But you will stand in account for what you haven't done and some of those things are worse. Because thinking right now, this person who is cast into the other darkness, he didn't do anything bad. He just didn't do anything good. He kept the blessing. He kept the, the faith, the gospel of Christ. He kept those things secret and dug it in the ground. And what he's saying is, you were given the kings, the keys to eternal life, and you did nothing with them. So that makes me think you don't understand the keys of eternal life, and I am casting you out. And that breaks some of our hearts, because that's not the reality we want to live in. We want to live in this fair prosperous society where everyone gets a third chance and everyone gets a fourth chance. And I'm telling you right now, that's what Satan wants you to think. Satan wants you to think that one day you're going to stand and account for what you've done wrong. And when you stand, you're going to be able to say, I need a mulligan. I need a do-over. Now I understand the importance. Now I understand. And it's going to be too late. He's going to say, you wicked servant, you slothful servant, be gone. The most scariest scripture in, in the Bible is in Matthew where it says, I never knew you. Be gone. I never knew you. And that's really what we're faced with today. If we don't understand the blessings of Christ, if we don't call Christ our King, then ultimately we will stand before God and answer for our omissions. We will answer for our lack of using the blessings that were made available to us. With much that is given, much is expected. And I know that's, that's actually a line from Spider-Man, but um, it, it's also very biblically true. Um, there are some people that think that's in the Bible, uh, and it is in ways, in, but Spider-Man made it really popular. So, um, the goal of this parable, and I know there, there's some things that's hard uh, to uh, stomach, and there are some parts of this parable that don't directly correlate to an easy, simple lesson, but there is a lot of truth here that we have to bite in and that we have to swallow, that we have to ingest because we need it to be who we are. We need to understand our faith because the results and the consequences of not understanding the gospel of Christ are eternal. Right? It, the, the things that keep me up at night aren't our attendance or our budget or, or if we're going to have the next big event or if the worship band schedule's right. Worship band schedule does keep me up a lot. But um, the thing that actually keeps me up at night is do we understand the Word of God? Do we understand the Gospel of Christ? Or do we just pretend to understand and do we just memorize words? Because one has the ability to bring peace, fruit, and life that can never be taken away and that will end up us shoulder to shoulder worshiping God in eternity and the other one's going to be in the pit of hell. Right? Like the, the, the consequences of being wrong on this are too important for us to mess up. For us to understand stewardship. So stewardship is taking care of what's been given to you. So faith is a gift. And I, I'm not here to debate like is, is, is it a gift that everyone gets or everyone doesn't. But uh, I'm telling you right now, that if you're standing in this room, you have the opportunity to hear the gospel of Christ. You hear it every Sunday in some shape or some form from me or Jamin or the worship band. We, we proclaim the truth of Christ, but it has to set in. You have to understand that a large portion of our faith is anchored in stewardship. There's two parts. One says that everything you've been given, everything you've been giving, given is a gift from God down to the shoes you wear, to the job you have, to the work ethic you have, to the air in your lungs. 
is a gift from God. And I know a lot of people say, hey, I was given a rough, I was given a rough hand. I, was, I had a bad childhood or I've had a bad marriage or my kids are clinically insane and they won't nap. I've had a lot going against me and because of my uh, stubbornness or my can-do attitude or my work ethic, I've been able to thrive as a businessman or a businesswoman. I've been able to thrive as a, as a teacher or a pastor or whatever. And I'm telling you right now, the idea that you've done something to advance yourself outside of the gift of God is Satan's wheelhouse. Everything you have, whether it be your drive, your work ethic, the love you have for your wife, the love you have for your kids, the fact that you have those two things, everything is a gift from God. And we have to start there. We have to understand everything we have or possess culturally is actually just biblical stewardship. Yes, society says you own things, but the Bible says you're a steward of things. And if you can't get that right, we've already started on the wrong foot. And you've already started down the road that Satan's waiting to trap you for. Because as soon as Satan can trick you into thinking you've earned it, he's got you where you want it. He's got you exactly in the confused state of pride, arrogance, and, and licentiousness where he can say, hey, you've, you've, you've been given some blessings through God, but there's some things you just got. You dug yourself out of that hole yourself. You pulled yourself out of, up by your bootstraps. The idea that you can pull yourself up out of your out of your your wallers and your and your depression and your sin and your travesty by your bootstraps is a complete fall fallacy. There is no scenario where you just do it yourself. Even the idea that, that we actually come out on the other side is a beautiful gift by, by the Spirit that walks alongside and helps us. We have to understand that. And if we understand that everything's a gift from God, then we have to act accordingly and all things have to be done for the glory of God. You will stand and account for your stewardship. How we use what we have been given is a direct reflection of our hearts. If you have a gift, and some of your gifts are like, I, I have gifts, um, they're just not really church-oriented. Like, I'm, 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 I'm able to close deals. I'm going to use an example um, because he's not here, and, uh, but we have a guy in our church that we call uh, ABC because he's Brian Davis and he always be closing. And it would be easy for Brian Davis to say, like, my gift is to close deals. And this church doesn't have deals, so my gifts aren't really supposed to correlate with the, the furtherance of the church or the furtherance of the gospel. Um, oh, but the, the, the beautiful thing about Brian is that the Spirit works in that guy and gives him, one, a lot of energy, a lot of energy. Half of you are here because he invited you here, and I'm really thankful you said yes. But he understands his ability to close can be applied to the gospel of Christ every single day. And that's true for every one of you. Like... Catherine Espinoza has like nine gifts. She applies every one of them for our church, mostly because I ask her to time and time again. Um, but she has like nine hats. All of the nine hats that Catherine wears are hats that me and Jamin don't possess, and, and, and they're true blessings. I can't draw. Every image you see, including this one, was designed by Catherine Espinoza. It would be easy for her to say, I'm good at drawing. The church doesn't need a drawer. I'm moving down the road to make my money. The idea that, but we do. Everything you see, every new sermon series has uh, some kind of drawing or, or art media behind it. And that's not done by this guy. And it's not done by the guy back there. We have people in our church that understand that their talents are solely given to them for the glory of God. And that doesn't mean you can't make an economic living for your life um, uh, or for your family with those gifts. But you have to do it under the auspices of understanding, yes, I'm going to economically bring stability to my family for the gifts of God. Because that's honestly what God's called you to do. God's called you to steward your family well through gifts. But you have to understand that those gifts come underneath bringing glory to God. 
You're bringing glory to God because you're sustaining your family. You're bringing glory to God because you're feeding your kids. All of those things are what you've been called to do as good stewards. But the second you think those are your talents that you've generated, that you've honed, and that you're applying, you're you're lost. You're not understanding how stewardship works. And you can say you follow Christ, but let's take a look and see. Let's look at your time, your money, and your talents. What I love about the parable of talents is that it used to be called money, but now, in 2019, talents for us mean ability, and it's a correlation that is deeply prophetic in a sovereign God. He's saying, yes, use your monetary money in this, this story to give you application, but in 2019, we need your money and your talents. I need you to give faithfully to this church, or this church doesn't survive. And we're going all over the place. I'm telling you, like, you're going to stand before God and hold accountable, and now I'm telling you to give me your money. And it's, it's, it's a sweaty feeling up here. But here's the truth. Both are true. Both, you will stand before God and answer for what you've done. And guess what? This church ain't going to be around in January if you don't start putting money in that black box. Because what's been given to you isn't yours. You can say, like, no, nah, it's my money. Because you can say a lot to a lot of people until you get in their money. Right? You can tell the two things you don't talk about, right, is finance and politics. So as soon as I start telling you how to think politically and get your money, that's when everybody leaves, right? And I'm never going to tell you how to think politically. I'm just going to tell biblical truth, and you have to, as an adult, figure that out. But I am going to tell you the money in your bank account ain't yours. The money in your bank account belongs to Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. And some of you aren't going to understand that until it's judgment day, and it's going to be a bad day for you. Christ asks, we ask, the church needs, and we say what tithing is, it's 10%. And that's crazy to some people. There's people at my work that every year, they can't wrap their mind around it. They're like, how do you give them 10%? That's insane. And I say, I don't give them 10%. God allows me to keep 90. Like, that's how you have to look at it. I know some of you are like, man, you're telling me that I'm going to be cast out, and now you're telling me I need to give like an actual dollar amount? Yes, because you know what the alternative is? I never preach on it. You never understand truth. And this was just a hobby we had for five years, right? The, the thing that kept me up at night uh, when I first took over this church, and this has been a beautiful experience. This has been one of the, be- the, the most gratifying biblical gifts of my entire life has to be a part of this group. But the reason at the very beginning when they said, hey, uh, when, when, when Jamin and Chase tried to trick me into being a pastor, they said, I don't want to because I can't cope with the fact of this place not existing and I really can't cope about being the reason it doesn't exist. I can't say that you know, I just did some crazy things from 2014 until this thing ended. But the truth is, if this room doesn't understand stewardship, there's an expiration date on this church. When the money runs out and the cool lights turn off, they won't come back on if this group doesn't dedicate themselves to understand biblical truth. I'm going to cut that last section off because well, that's enough I can throw at y'all today. There's going to be one. It's going to get a little darker. But now, because I love y'all, we're just going to leave. We're going to stop at Judgment Day and give me your money. That's where we're going to go. First Peter has some other things that are going to hold you more accountable. And we'll hit those up later. So what have you been giving? It is easy for you to talk to yourself into thinking you've been giving nothing. And I don't know, because some gifts are, are more dramatic. Some gifts uh, have a little more uh, pizzazz. Like the idea of someone that can play the guitar and sing really well, that's, that's an easily identifiable gift, right? Or someone who can draw amazingly, or someone has the charismaticness of like a just insanity. Um, all those things, are, you can put your hand on it. And for us, we like gifts that are tangible. I like, that person is tall and can talk well. That must be a gift. But the reality is, 
You've all been given air in your lungs, and if you have air in your lungs, you have the gift to profess truth about Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. I don't know all of your specific gifts. I know you have them. I know that God has called you to a specific work. God has called you to this church for a specific time, a specific place, and specific people. And your gift may simply be the gift of love, understanding, encouragement to come along someone say, and say, you look like you're going through some suffering. i got a group of people that can love on you. That may be your entire calling. And some of us are like, no, I want grandeur. I want to be able to profess truth. I want to be able to, 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 to draw. I want to be able to close. I want to be able to sing. And God may say, I just need you to tell someone about Jesus Christ. Because if you sit in a coffee house or you sit in a men's Bible study or, or if me as a preacher, if I study all week about a sermon and tell it to you but I can't tell it to the person that works next to me, then I've misunderstood this truth because I've been given the gift of oxygen and everyone in this room knows I love to talk. So if I'm talking and it's not about Jesus Christ, I've misunderstood why God has given me breath. We will answer for our choices. Our, steward, our stewardship is ultimately connected to our contentment. You can't be content with anything in your life until you understand where that gift and where those blessings come from. And you can't be content until you understand why you may not have other things. Christ is calling you to a unique work in this time, in this place, for these people. And He is giving you the talents you need to achieve the gospel work. We have to answer, we have to understand, and we have to act. Let me pray over us. We're going to sing one more song. And I hope you all have a great week. God, thank you for the men and women in this room. Thank you for the truths that we have. Thank you for your, your teachings. Even when your teachings are hard and they hit us where we live and they make us uncomfortable, I pray that we always recognize there's still truths that uh, if it was easy, everyone would do it. But you, you call us out by our names and you hold us accountable for what we have been given. I pray all things in your name. Amen. Amen.